Praise the Lord. I am glad to be back with you. I was here last week, but Drew did the message and did a good job talking about water baptism. But I'm excited to be back in Acts, even though today's message in Acts might not be what we would call very fun. It is timely, timely. Uh, how many of you would say discernment is important? Yeah. And when I'm talking discernment, I'm talking about asking the Lord to help us see more than just what our eyes are seeing. Folks, this is a time when discernment is very important. And, and like I said, you know, this might not be a lot of fun, but, but we, it's a harsh truth. And we need to make sure everybody knows exactly what we're looking at right now today. And that's this. You ready? Not everyone has your best interest in mind. Yeah, not everyone has your best interest in mind. <clears throat> Sometimes people have an agenda, and you become a way to accomplish their agenda or to get something that they're needing. We're going to look at that in our passage today, Acts chapter 12, verse 20. It says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended upon the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an, ora an oration to them. The people were shouting, The voice of God and not of man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory or give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. And the word of God increased, but the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose surname or whose other name was Mark. All right, so let's make sure we understand the story here. Um, Herod is a ruler of Jerusalem in Judea area. And uh, he and the people north of him, his neighbors to the north, Tyre and Sidon, well, they were at odds. Uh, they didn't like Herod. Now, keep that in mind. They did not like Herod. But the Bible tells us that they were dependent upon their food. And so once they realized that they needed Herod and that if Herod were to cut them off, they would be in really bad shape, uh, they decided that by way of Blastus, they would get an audience with him. Now, Blastus was, their, was the king's chamberlain. That means that he basically ran the household for Herod. So he has, the, he has Herod's ear. And so he helped him get an audience with the king. And so they are here now to present their case, you might say, or to visit with the king. And uh, they want to make peace. They want to bury the hatchet kind of thing. But they don't really like him. Necessity has created this. So their needs and their wants necessitated this plan of action, which was to get on his good side and flattery would do it. You see where this is going? Yeah. When I think about this story, I think about the verse in Psalms 12 too. It says, speaking with flattery, with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. You know what comes with flattering lips? A deceitful heart. Okay? Now, we're not talking about a compliment where somebody just says, you know, you did a good job. 
We're talking about that flattery, that kind of, you know, put the arm around him and, oh, you're just, you're so wonderful. You're doing such a great job. I just don't know what this church would do without you. Oh, I just, yeah. <clears throat> Their new agenda was we need to get on the king's side. What's the best way to get on a king's side? Flatter him. Appeal to his ego. And that's exactly what they did. They needed the food, so they played him. <clears throat> Our text says that on the appointed day, so you got to figure out what's going on here. So they got their audience with him. When they got their audience, well, guess what? You know, here he is. They just consider he's a king. And now these people from Tyre and Sidon, they're, they're like, oh, king, you know, we just think so highly of you and you're wonderful and can we have a time with you? And, and so he get, they get their time and he puts on his royal robe and he sits down on his throne and the people from Tyre and Sidon, the, the, the delegation that showed up, they stand there in front of him and he begins to give this little speech and their response is what? Oh, the voice of a God. That's not what they believed. That's just what they told him. And he went straight to his head. And all of a sudden, this Jewish king was thinking of himself about like a Roman empire did. And that's not a good thing to do, is it? Romans 12, 3 says that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Um, if you have trouble understanding that, then read there in, in Romans 12, what follows verse 3, when he begins to talk about how we are part of the body of Christ, okay? And, and, and that puts you in perspective. You see, if you think real highly of yourself, you think, you know, I, I'm all that. Everybody look at me. You're not all that, okay? The truth of the matter is, is you're a part of the body and you take any part. I mean, you might be the heart and you're just very important to the body's survival, but you take the heart away from the body the body away from the heart, you're not all that. The only one that's all that's him. The rest of us are just part of the body, dependent upon each other, needing each other. And so, uh, you know, I like to remember it like this. He's still God without me, but I am nothing without him. Nothing without him. Um, so we know what happened in Herod's case. Uh, it went straight to his head, and an angel of the Lord struck him down because he didn't give God the glory. Folks, think about that for just a moment. It's interesting that when you read this in context and you're moving through the, the, the chapter and looking at it, first of all, we see that, that this same Herod killed James. Remember? Tried to kill Peter. <laughs> <clears throat> But when he believed that he was like God, God struck him down. I'm going to tell you something very important. Nothing created will ever be equal to God. Nothing created will ever be equal to God. I have a tremendous concern because we have more and more, even in spiritual realms, that are becoming very audacious. Very audacious. <clears throat> Listen, I praise God that we are co-heirs with Christ. Amen? Amen? We are co-heirs with Christ. Uh, but I need to remember something. We, I, I will never be what he is. 
uh, I was not found sinless enough to die on the cross for anybody. And I will never have the throne and be worshipped by all the elders and the angels. So I may be a co-heir with Christ, but I am not equal with God. And I need to keep my position and my knowledge. We are dependent upon him. He's not dependent upon us. <clears throat> Nothing created will ever be equal to God. So according to what we see here is that God has a track record that when you think too highly of yourselves, you're in dangerous territory. Pride is dangerous. Now I'm going to spend a, just a few minutes here. Pride is dangerous. It brought Satan down. It caused Herod to be eaten by worms. It caused King Uzziah to end up with leprosy and die a leper, right? It caused even King Nebuchadnezzar to spend a few years wandering out in a pasture, eating grass like a cow. God, in his mercy, restored him. And I find it very interesting that Nebuchadnezzar, not an Israelite, not a person who grew up knowing Jesus, but would make this statement when he came back to his senses, realizing what God has done and how God had had mercy on him. He said this, he said, those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Folks, there's a lesson I don't want to learn. I don't want to go down that path. Uh, but Proverbs 16, 5 tells us, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. And I just find it very interesting that Herod got away with lot until, a lot until he got to the point where he thought he was like God. And then it came to an end. And, I, and we got to understand exactly what we're living in. The times in which we are living, is they're earmarked by pride and arrogance. This is a very, the atmosphere is very proud, very arrogant. Um, but that is also a preemptive move of Satan in preparation for the end times. Because that's, that's exactly what kind of people you're going to see in the end times, especially after the rapture of the church. You're going to see that, that group of people that no matter what God does, they're still going like this. <laughs> so we need to understand that, that this pride and arrogance and this atmosphere is just going to grow and grow and grow. So let's keep that in mind. <clears throat> All right, that's enough about Herod. Let's go to the people of Tyre and Sidon. I told you when I opened, not everyone has your best interests in mind. Not everyone has your best interests in mind. Uh, I don't know if, I'm sure it's always been there, but wow, it seems to be so much more so now than ever before. People use people to get what they want. That's the society that we're living in. People use people to get what they want. <clears throat> and when I understand that, then I, I, I know to be protective. I know to, oh Lord, give me discernment because people use people. Um, in certain arenas today, the world identifies them as what? Well, they're players. But the sad part is, is that for many people, they just call them a friend and don't realize that they are being played, that they're being used in some form or fashion. So I've created a little list here for the so-called spiritual players. Ready? My warnings for you concerning the players. Beware of those who flatter 
and talk nice in your presence, but differently in your absence. Be aware of them. Beware of those who push philosophy over doctrine. There are people that know a lot when it comes to being able to express what they think and believe that's contrary to doctrine. The sad part is, is if they are very, very solid in their philosophy and their, their, we'll just call it their doctrine, and you are not real knowledgeable about your doctrine, they can really confuse you. Beware of them. You need to know what you believe. Um, beware of those who practice righteousness when you're watching. Be aware of those who cause divisions. Beware of those who come in sheep's clothing but are wolves. Or if we were to put that in just simple how we look at it today, it would be beware of those who appear to be for you and with you, but they are not for you and with you. They're just looking for an opportunity. <clears throat> now, every one of those things come with a scriptural support. Okay, I didn't just pull those out of the air. Uh, Psalms, Matthew, Colossians, Romans, uh, several passages that talk about those. But I want to give you a few warnings from just a pastor to you from the perspective of having done this for a few years, okay? So it's three more that I want to add to that list. The first one is this. Be careful of anyone who tries to manipulate you. See, that's what I find so much of today is, is, is people very much are man manipulative, okay? Beware of that. Beware of that. Be careful of those who become codependent upon you. Let me explain that. There are certain people who sometimes get in the church and they are, they are not really, they don't really have a relationship with Jesus. They have a relationship with you and <clears throat> they basically are always, you know, I need you to pray for me. What should I do? How should I handle this? And you need to make sure that there's plenty of times when you're encouraging them that the way you're encouraging them is you need to pray about this. Because see, if, you, if you're the person that's always there to give them this answer, give them this love, well, you know, here's a verse of Scripture. You become the one that they become codependent upon instead of the Lord. You need to make sure that they're getting their eyes on Him. You can't meet all their needs. You can't give them all the advice they need. You need to always be directing them. You know what? Listen, let's study this big passage right here and focus our attention on what God says. Don't let people become codependent upon you. You are not their Savior. They just need their Savior. All right? You got them that direction. And then the last one is be aware of those who continually are testing your doctrine. All right? Those that test your doctrine. Anybody ever known somebody that really doesn't want to learn about the Bible? They just want to argue about the Bible? Anybody ever know anybody like that? Okay. You got you to identify them for what they are. If they are not hungry for truth, then you need, to, you need to make sure that you do not get caught up in all of that so that, you know, every time you're trying to teach them, it pretty much turns into water off a duck's back. Beware of those who are continually testing your doctrine. 
I think sometimes <clears throat> that we forget that those people are, are really all among us. Sometimes it, that they, they don't really want to know the truth as much as they, they, they just like, I'm going to call it poking the bear. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? So in the case of, of what we read here, the people from Tyre and Sidon, they set Herod up. They knew exactly what they were going to do. You know what? We need his food. We do not need him against us. So we need to get on his good side. So let's just go in there, praise him, and, and flatter him and all that kind of stuff. And then we walk away with this new contract or covenant that he'll keep providing the food. And we'll just keep telling him how wonderful he is. And none of that was true. What I've noticed about the temptations of Christ is that the enemy likes to come in, first of all, on sort of the gentle side. Well, if you are the Son of God, just do something here to show me. That's a far different Satan than when he comes back with the scribes and the Pharisees and they're hollering, crucify him. And we have to understand that the easiest thing for the enemy to do is to always come in as an angel of light. To always come in as if he's for you, he's on your side. Uh, putting that person into your life that basically has the wrong motives and could pull you down instead of lifting you up. How many of you ever heard the phrase, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar? Why are you trying to catch flies? You're going to make a friend out of them? No, you want to end them. Do you understand that? You, 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 you have a bad ending for that fly if you get them with that honey. That's the way the world around us lives their life. They play each other. They use each other. They are for their own agenda. And you are just a means sometimes to get where they want to be. Jesus taught a parable. I'm going to read it to you. It's in Matthew 13, 24. You want to throw that up there? Look what it says. It says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. You familiar with the story? All right. So while nobody was really paying attention, the enemy came in and sowed weed seed. And of course, when they realized when it all popped up, their thought was, the servants of the field thought was, well, let's, you know, let's go out there and pull all those weed seeds. And he said, what? No, yeah, you can't do it because right now it's, it's too tender and you'll, you'll, you'll ruin the harvest. Let them grow together. Now, that's important. Let them grow together. Because what I want you to get is this. Satan, our enemy, that's what he does. He plants seed, weed seed. He is constantly looking for the opportunity to plant weed seed in your good seed's life. He's looking for that opportunity. And, and um, he does it in very subtle ways. Very subtle ways. 
I have, as a pastor for several years, I have never, ever, ever found a divisive person that started going to church that when they got to church, they said, well, I have split the last church I was at and I do, I'm planning on doing damage here. They don't come in like that. You know how they come in? A divisive person that comes to the church, they come in with this. You know what? I've just heard such good things about this church. I just, I can't, I'm so excited to be a part of this church. Can, I'll do anything. I can serve. I can do this. I can do that. That's how they come in. But what's in their heart? It's a divisiveness. We have to understand that the enemy will very carefully try to plant weeds. I love what God's doing here. But you know what? I'm also asking God to help us be discerning. Discerning. Because you know what? If the Lord's doing something good, the enemy's planning on something bad. So we want to be discerning. Lord, use us, guide us. Um, and the, the crazy thing about it is, it's just like the Lord said to, or like the master said to them, I think the Lord would say to us today, you know what? Um, the weed seed is going to pretty much be among the good seed until the very end. So it's not an encouraging word, but you know what? There will always be those who have ill intent and they'll always be trying to be among Christians' lives to pull Christians down, to discourage Christians, to, to, to try to keep them from being what God has called them to be and to do what God's called them to do. Satan cannot take your soul. But I say this all the time. He can take your effectiveness. You have to guard your effectiveness. Um, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul talked about how there would be terrible times in the last days. Now, I didn't read the whole passage to you. There's one particular word in there that stood out to me. There will be treacherous people. In the last days, there will be what? Treacherous people. Do you know what the one single word that best defines treacherous? Deceptive. There will be deceptive people. See, I don't, I, my personal thought when I was studying all this is I was like, Lord, this, this is no fun. This is not the kind of sermon. You know, I want to I wanna, I wanna preach something positive. Okay, this is a negative that can lead to a positive. We have to understand that there is deceptiveness. There, in these days in which we live, there are people that are deceptive. And we don't want to get caught into their deception. And anyway, he goes on down in that verse 6 of that same chapter. He says these words here. Ready? They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Now, I would really lose you if I started talking about gullible people. So I'm just going to focus your attention on deceitful people. The most important part of this message to me is beware of deceitful individuals who try to worm their way into your life. 
who try to worm their way into your life. Be careful of those kind of people. Which brings me to something that I want to address. Okay? Which I, I'm glad I had plenty of time to preach today. I want to talk to the couples for just a moment. All you married people. Everybody? It doesn't matter if you've been married a short time, you've been married a long time. Listen, you need to protect your marriage all the time. You need to protect your marriage. Um, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, there is like a little title over what's coming underneath that. And, and the title is, you know, it's about wives and husbands, all right, in Ephesians chapter 5. And so that's what follows. Right before that, because I'm sure Paul did not know that his letters were going to get broken down into titles. Right before that, he says something that I believe is just as powerful if you put it in the context of the very next thing he says after that. But here's what he says. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. God's role, God's model for marriage is that the man is focused on his wife and the wife is focused on her husband. Okay, that's the role. The man is focused on the wife. The wife is focused on the husband. Uh, His focus is through loving her. Her focus is through honoring him. They, they have a different role in which they, they carry out that function. Um, the reason why it's important is because it aligns with God's plan for the church, where Christ so loved us that he gave himself. Men, you get that? He gave himself for his bride. And then the bride, in such love and devotion, honors him by what? Submitting to his will and obeying. And that beautiful plan he uses of husband and wife in marriage is a perfect plan of his, how he works with his church, the body of Christ. It's beautiful. Now, husbands and wives, listen, both of you have needs. And it is up to each other to meet each other's needs. If you submit love and honor one another, I feel pretty sure you'll meet each other's needs. If, if, if you get the, the, the qualifications of, of what really creates meeting each other's needs, then you will submit, you will love, and you will honor. And here's the reason why. Because be the other person for a moment. It is far better to be loved and honored than it is to feel used. And when there is not an obvious love and honor and, and, and that mentality of how can I better you, how can I show you how important you are, then, then what begins to happen is a whole lot of feeling used. And that's exactly how the world is functioning. That's the reason why we don't take time to get married anymore. Because the relationships are built upon using each other. And so we use one another. And then maybe if we use each other enough, we come to this common ground and maybe we'll tie the knot. But predominantly the whole 
foundation of it is broken in the world. And we need to understand that, that we need to protect our marriage. And listen, look at me. It does not matter that you're a Christian home. He does not quit trying to ruin your marriage. He works tirelessly against it. Why? Because it looks like the church in Jesus. So he works tirelessly to try to always weave himself in there some way, somehow, and create hurt and, and, and create this feeling of, of being used, this feeling of not being appreciated, this feeling of not being loved. You've got to protect it. Folks, I wish I could say that it's, it's just non-Christian people that end up in divorce. It's not. And a lot of times the reason why it ends up there is real simple. It's because we forgot what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to love and honor and submit to one another. Don't let the devil in your home. I want you to look at the last part with me. Our text says, but the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Notice the transition word is but. I find that interesting because when I read this, I read it like this. <laughs> um, Herod killed James. Tried to kill Peter, was trying to squash the church, ended up the only people he killed was the 16 guards that was guarding Peter. And in the end, the church continued to grow and continued to reach people. So basically, he wasted his time. <clears throat> I said something to you two weeks ago. I'm going to reiterate it, okay? Don't be distracted by what the world is doing. Keep your eyes on what the Lord is doing, okay? Because when you look around, you will literally, you can't help but almost being discouraged and pulled down and just, just a, a yuck in your gut. When you look at the how deploring our world is right now, how disintegrating the culture is. Don't look at that. You got to admit it's there. You got to, you, you, you need to protect yourself because the very world that we live in have an agenda. And that agenda is, I mean, okay, let me explain it like this. Why on earth, if you want to sin, why is it so important that you, convince me that I should accept your sin. Why is that so important nowadays? Because they have an agenda. Folks, don't get caught up in their agenda. Keep your eyes upon the Lord who restores us, who encourages us, who makes us to know that even in the midst of everything that's going on, that he is not in defense. He is still in offense. He is still advancing. I mean, okay, so James died. Okay, it looked really bad for Peter. But you know what? Guess what? 
God's word keeps going out. People's lives keep getting changed. He is still the answer. Keep your eyes on what God is doing. Because in these last days, there will be people who, are, who find truth and turn around and give themselves wholly to the Lord. <clears throat> Two things. I wrap up. First thing is, is he introduces a new character. I love it when he introduces new characters. The new character is John Mark. All right? We're going to learn a lot from John Mark. I, 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 I stutter. Um, I really am blessed by John Mark's life because I see so many similarities, especially Christians that really are like, I am going to do great. I'm going to serve God. I'm, gonna do, I'm wholeheartedly after him. And then pfft, only to go, you know what, God, that was probably too much of my strength. Now let's do it again this time with your strength. I love John Mark. So new character. We're going to learn a lot about him as Acts continues to go forward. But here's where I want to wrap up and send you off. Paul encouraged us in Romans chapter 13 to discern the times. That's the reason why I'm talking about this. We need to be discerning of the times, of the people in our lives, of the motivations that are working with a lot of people. We need to be discerning. But he says this in Romans 16, 17. And uh, this was the scripture that was referenced to something I said earlier. But I want to look at it as our closing thought. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Leave that verse up there, okay? I, I, I want this to be sort of when you walk out of here, something that you're going to take a few minutes to to meditate over. That's the reason why it was added into your notes for you to keep and look at. Because this, this is very much what I would say is my concern that I hope and pray that the church is, is, is paying attention to. We've got to watch out for those that cause divisions, those that are creating obstacles contrary to doctrine. Folks, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you from the bottom of my heart, so much of our doctrine is under fire. It's being just a little twisted here and a little reshaped. And we've got to get that in our heart. That's the, that's the work of the enemy, to, to create obstacles contrary to doctrine. So everybody look at me. Leave it up there. I'm going to go back to it. You've got to know your Bible. You've got to study your word. Because if you don't know what you believe, when they bring in something contrary to it, you won't identify it. There is so many things that are taught that sound very close to being true without being true. But they're, it's like they're almost running parallel. But folks, I don't want to run parallel because at some point parallel starts... We need to just get on the road. 
and know what we believe. For such persons do not serve our Lord. Now, he put that in there because you see that his concern was that you, that you would mistake them for being like you, for having the heart for the Lord. They are not trying to serve the Lord. They have their own agenda. They have their, an appetite for something different than what you're hungry for. And so don't allow them to even appear to be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're one of us. No, they're not one of you. Because of what it says right there, they, they have divisions in their mentality. They, their, their belief is not what you believe. Avoid them. And be very careful. Now, this is going to make some of you nervous, maybe. But somebody puts their arm around you and starts really telling you how wonderful you are. Just be careful. You work with somebody that's like, oh. You're just so good at what you do. You're just so good at what you do. Man, I wish I had the knowledge that you have. Do not be surprised if when they get into the next room, they're saying something right the opposite. People have an agenda. And the only person who has your best in mind is Jesus. All the time. His agenda is for you. And if he is for us, we are overcomers. Amen? Would you stand with me? Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us to be discerning. Now, Lord, I don't want us to walk away and be suspicious of everybody. But I want us to pray to be discerning. Because, Lord, you have given us your spirit to protect us, to guide us. And I thank you that, that the spirit of God is discerning. And even though I might not have the gift of discernment, Lord, I pray that you increase my ability to be discerning. So that when it doesn't feel right, when I hear something, it doesn't sound right. that I begin to go, okay, God. Talk to me because I want the truth. Holy Spirit, guide me because I don't, I don't want to get caught up in that. And Lord, that's what you'll do because your work is keeping the bride pure. So Lord, help us be discerning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.